Sirens. Chapter 4 She went to the public library the next day, armed with notebooks, pens, and money for the photocopier. She loved the library back in Prince George, but this one left it in the shade. It was a massive, gorgeous building, with more books and resources than probably her whole town. You could probably fit all the people from Prince inside it, too. Especially now. She told her inner voice to knock it off. She wandered a bit, enjoying the humming quiet. Quiet enough to hear the hollow thump of ventilation. When no one was looking, she let her fingers slide over the spines of books like a whispered drumbeat. Maybe she ought to look for poetry. Maybe she could find something that Ash didn't know. And something that spoke, sang, to her too. Eventually, she got to periodicals and joined the line at information. There were no thin places, but some people flickered like them. The woman in line in front of her had no particular glow, but when she stepped aside, the stroller she'd been pushing looked like it had a light, like a golden floodlight pouring out of it. She gave Marianne a cautious smile when she stared too long. Cute. Oh, thank you. Marianne waggled her fingers at the baby, who smiled vaguely, drooling on itself. It looked really small. Her name is Ursula. She clung to her smile. Moms probably didn't want you frowning at their name choice. That sounds really pretty. Thanks. The mother nodded and moved on. Marianne stepped up to the desk. Her librarian had a flicker, too. Nothing compared to the baby, but a bit, like a low fire. She was older, her thick blonde braid pinned up in a neat bun. Did you lose your flicker? Was there an age thing? Use it or lose it? The librarian looked like her mom's age, or maybe older. 2.5 kids, she thought. Middle school age to high school. May I help you? She prompted kindly, and Marianne shook herself. I need to search for information on disappearances. You might have to narrow it down a bit. Since last summer? The librarian got a particular look on her face, cautious and sympathetic. Marianne tightened her hands around the strap of her bag. It may take a bit of time. That's okay. The librarian showed her to a quiet table in the corner. Before long, there were two piles of newspapers, rising and shrinking as she made her way through them, returned them to a cart, and collected more. Apparently, her nightly newspaper perusing didn't count to the gods of studying. Before long, her eyes blurred over the print, and her neck started to ache. What happened to the girl who'd pull all-nighters? Vampires. A vampire happened. Was it ironic? It was something. Despite the ache, the work was sort of comforting. It was progress, and that felt good. And it was familiar. At the end of it, she'd get an A, or a teacher would encourage her, or, in this case, maybe she could fix one of her mistakes. Progress. A tangible reward. She scribbled notes, names, locations, circumstances. There were so many. Loads of women, girls, loads of names and dates. How are you doing? The librarian came around a shelf with a handful of printer paper and stopped short. This is pretty bleak work. Would you like to take a break? There are some vending machines. The chairs are pretty comfortable. No, I'm good. Thanks, though. Some people need a break. Other people do this? Sometimes. It's hardest when it's the parents. From last summer? 
Oh, no. Not just from that, no. Marianne closed her eyes. Not on me. Well, I called up some librarians I know. I asked them about any local news they had. Gossip, some of it. Sometimes they say it's a runaway. Sometimes they say it's a man running out on his family. I had them email anything they heard. Those small towns don't make the papers. She set the stack down. Marianne let out a whomping breath. It's a lot. Can you narrow it down at all? Beyond the time frame? Marianne rubbed her eyes, then stopped. Idiot. Is there any news about some guys on the beach yesterday? The fisherman? A moment, please. Thank you, Colonel Colonel. The librarian returned with the day's paper. The story didn't make the front page, and maybe it was only in there at all because it was freaky weird. All they were saying yet was that it was probably the two men, but they didn't know much more. Reading between the lines, Marianne guessed that they were still being defrosted. Why wouldn't they have melted? Thawed. Whatever. Those guys on the beach figured it out just from the general shape, so there wasn't that much ice. She stretched her back and went to the reference desk. How long would it take something to float downriver? From McBride. The librarian looked at her steadily, then stood up. Let's find out. It was possible, for the two guys Colonel Colonel told her about. They'd last been reported in a pretty remote area. Fishermen. Hunters. Hikers. Water. Ice. She went back to her notes, highlighting the ones in more remote places. Ones near water. She meant to separate women from men, but by the time her first set of criteria were satisfied, there was only one woman left on her list anyway. Only one other missing man, a hunter from a reservation near Cache Creek, had been found. They said that they'd thought he'd gone off to the city, but found him frozen early that spring. No word if he thought or not. Is there some place nearby where I can buy a map to ride on? The librarian looked up from her paperwork. What kind of map? I can print one off for you. Are you sure? I don't want to be any trouble. No trouble at all. She hunched over the printout, making notes. Names, falling south like beads from a string that had broken at her hometown. She traced a rough arc between the scattered points. Maybe some of it was hunch. Or she was way off, maybe. Or maybe something was killing its way along watersheds because she'd been stupid. Her fingers stopped at the end of the Fraser Valley. Hope was a little town. Kind of pretty, she thought. It was worth at least looking. The times and distances. Maybe she could go out tomorrow. It was worth a look around, maybe. She didn't need to bother Ash with a hunch. If she found something, she'd leave it for when they could go back together. Anyway. Anyway. She liked the idea of Ash listening to opera in peace. Imagine fighting a war for two hundred years all alone. The least she should have is a bit of time to herself. She found another book on her list of classics of English literature and dutifully checked it out before she left. On the way home, she thought about trail running. It was pretty wild land around Hope. Lots of mountains. It was rough territory to travel alone, even in daylight. Could get hurt. And there were bears. Mountain lions came down into towns as it was. Running in the wild, she'd probably look like a tasty snack. Maybe Matt felt like some country air. She barely got the words out of her mouth before he was agreeing. She arranged to pick him up near the park. I'm not sure Bobo will fit. That's okay. He says sorry he can't come anyway. What did he chase? 
a squirrel. Good thing the little guy was fast. They headed north the next day. Traffic through the valley wasn't so bad. She cracked the window, then made a face and rolled it up again. Ah, the smell of cows. Matt shifted in the seat, looking out at the broad fields, stinking of fertilizer in various forms. When he shifted again, she took pity on him. You can move the seat back if you want. Didn't want to touch anything. It's just a car, she offered, but petted the steering wheel anyway. Uh-huh, I can tell. He fiddled with the seat until his legs had room to stretch, then took out a map. You must have done a lot of this kind of thing up north. Some. I liked it. I killed a pair of shoes once, though. I thought my mom would murder me and just bury me along with them. It'll be good to try with some tougher ones. New shoes? Finally broke them in. I hope. Didn't run in snow boots? Nah. Ran in docks a few times, though. Not some devotion. There was the hunting. That bit was okay. The running. The need to get to you, and that felt more like a fever dream every day. She flexed her hands a few times, one after the other, and settled them back on the wheel. Hope wasn't just pretty. It was gorgeous. Dark green pines, black stone cliffs, and churning white water under a bright sun. The smell of it reminded her how busy the air in the city seemed to be. She sucked in a few deep lungfuls, tasting it on the back of her tongue, fresh scrubbed and rich enough to almost make her tingle. She smiled as she checked her pack. She'd bought it for running. Reflective stripes and everything. It fit her knife and first aid kit, water and granola bars, a lightweight waterproof jacket, and a multi-tool that had all kinds of useful attachments, just in case. She was still trying to streamline what she carried, getting it down to the essentials. Steep learning curves lately. A tidy government sign pointed the way to the path that she'd chosen. It should take them past likely watery areas, if whatever this was left trails the same way the unformed beasts did, maybe she could pick up its unpleasant sign. Ready? Matt grinned eagerly. Waiting for you, dude. She strapped the pack on tight to prevent chafing. It was cool beneath the trees. They set off at a good pace, passing a small ranger station as they worked their way back into the forest. The rise and fall of the trail as it wound around boulders and crossed the shoulders of hills made her legs burn. A good burn. She felt sweat dripping down her back and pushed harder, driving up a steep incline, stopping finally when the trail leveled out to catch her breath. Need a break? A suspicious look proved that he was trying to macho it out. Without thinking, she elbowed him in the side and he gasped comically for air. Looks like you do. I could go all day. Uh-huh. They sat on a sun-warmed rock. Below them, a creek turned into a gargling waterfall. It was pretty, but it sort of made her want to pee, too. She gnawed on a granola bar. Ash bought the ones with tiny marshmallows and chocolate that were more candy, really. She loved her marshmallows. How are the shoes? Working great. She admired them. They seemed to be worth it. Right tool for the job. Nice if you can afford it. She crossed her legs on the rock. That sounded bitchy. Sorry. Matt shrugged. You can afford it now, right? That's what hard work gets you. Luck. Just luck. It's weird. I mean, I thought when I got a good job I'd be one of those people who buys the really nice stuff. But I still don't want to. I would have got cheaper ones. Or used ones or something. 
if a friend hadn't talked sense into me. She and Ash debated constantly. The bulk food aisles were a source of many suspicious looks on the part of the vampire. You were born in Vancouver, right? On the island. We moved here when I was a kid. You didn't sound bitchy to me, he added. My family life was pretty good. Most of my friends, too. You're just telling it like it is. Or was. Yeah, was. I really thought I'd go crazy with my salary. Instead, I'm a Scrooge. Because you never know. It's harder to cut loose than I thought. Like, with everything. I feel like I ought to be careful. It just has to be worth it. If these shoes fall apart, I'll murder someone. She slouched forward. Just barely between the trees, she could see a wider patch of water. The trailer was supposed to connect up and run alongside a river just over the hill. As nice as the day was, they were here for a reason. She was. Marianne, it's night. Sorry, what? No, you first. It's nice having a running buddy. Yeah, it is. Your turn. He hesitated, knee jiggling absently, then offered a bottle of violently blue sports drink. Want to try? She eyed it suspiciously. It's exactly the same shade as antifreeze. Yeah, delicious antifreeze-colored health. They started off again. Matt was quiet. She hoped that he'd meant it, that she hadn't sounded bitchy, because she really liked hanging out with him and Bobo. It was always hard making friends. He and Sarah were pretty much it so far. The sound of water grew louder, the air rushing cool and damp against her overheated face. She smiled, hopping up onto a flat rock. It was only a small river, but it was as wild and beautiful as she could have hoped. Not why I'm here. But you couldn't always work. That way lies madness, like Ash said. She took in the wild canyon and wished she had a camera. A shiver raced down her spine. She turned sharply. Matt was standing behind her, really close. She stepped back from the edge, trying not to offend him. He paid no attention, staring past her, downriver. His eyes were sort of glassy, and his face was slack, like he'd been drinking. What's wrong? She hopped down from her perch. Don't you hear that? What? All she could hear was the water. It's a voice or something. He started down the trail, slow at first, gaze fixed ahead. She followed, straining to hear anything above the sound of the water. Does someone need help? Something like that? He waved impatiently. No, it isn't. It's like singing. The hair on the back of her neck prickled. She held her breath, wondering if it was just really soft and still heard nothing. She shifted her bag to bring her knife into quick reach. Who'd be singing out here? I don't know. Some hippie thing. Let's go check it out. He started going faster, attention so caught on whatever was ahead that he stumbled a few times. Matt, wait. It could be... dangerous? What was she supposed to say? If it was something magic, he wasn't going to believe her. He ignored her anyway. They came to a branch in the trail. He cocked his head, then charged off toward the water. She made it a few steps, and the smell hit her full on. Meat just beginning to turn. Meat that might have been good just a bit ago. She heaved up her granola bar onto the side of the trail. Matt, wait! She spat, wiped her mouth, and ran to catch up. Come on, where's your sense of adventure? The look in his eyes made her flinch back a combination of feverish gleam and sharp anger that she didn't understand. She'd never seen him look like that before. It just might not be safe. He scoffed. It's probably just some weird festival. Don't be such a wuss. 
The flare of anger was immediate. When she caught herself ready to race forward, she got even more pissed, this time at herself. I don't have to prove shit to you. Except she had to protect him anyway. He wasn't acting normal. He was acting like me last summer when I was visiting Ewan. He didn't know what could be ahead of them, but she did. Enough to know it wasn't good. Since he sure wasn't listening to her now, she had to follow. The trail came out at the juncture of two small, swift rivers. At the deep, sharpened black stone point across the water, a man in hiking gear was standing. Even from a distance, she could see him swaying. Directly in front of him, a leathery black form, vaguely human, like a human-shaped bag, floated just above the tangled grass. For a minute, just a minute, it was Ewan. He was reaching into her chest again, inside her, icy fingers tearing at her insides. In that minute, Matt reached the edge of the river, blindly preparing to step over the edge and onto the rocks below. She tackled him. He hit the ground hard enough to make him grunt and immediately pushed her off. What the hell are you doing? You were going to fall in. I was not. He sat up. The look on his face when he peered over the edge didn't seem so sure. Can you still hear it? No, not as much. He sounded wistful. On the top of the hill, the hiker shambled forward. The details were a little vague. Bright red coat, purple pants. She thought he had dark hair. It was too far to see his expression, but he moved like Matt had, stumbling. The leathery form drifted back, teasing, luring. She looked around for something to throw, to get the hiker's attention. He's going to reach her. Her? Matt's voice was full of despair, anger, jealousy. Marianne picked up a rock. Across the water, the hiker tripped, falling to his knees. It seemed to shake him. He looked down at the water. His shout carried clearly to them. As she watched, a hand emerged from the blackened form. It was pale, slim, and glowing faintly yellow. The hiker started to get to his feet again. Marianne threw. The rock pinged off the face of the cliff, breaking the hiker's concentration. He scrambled up, backing up first one step, then two. Run! The air grew colder, wind pulling at her, drawing toward the creature. Its mouth opened as though it were screaming. Matt clamped his hands over his ears. Marianne saw birds take flight, scared by something, but she still couldn't hear whatever it was that was hurting Matt. For a moment, the world held its breath. Then a wind as cold as the worst winter she'd ever felt rolled over her. She fell to the ground, hugging herself tight, moaning while Matt shouted in shock and fear. Then it vanished. In its place, the summer flooded back. She wiped moisture from her eyes. The oily thing had vanished. The hiker... She saw the body teeter, rocking in the remnants of wind, then tumble over the edge, breaking apart on the rocks before being swept downstream. What the fuck was that? Matt rubbed his eyes. What was it? I don't know. Whatever it is, we'd better go. Gotta find the police. Or that park ranger or something. What'll we say? She didn't mean it to come out sharp. She didn't like it. She didn't like that it came from fear and panic. The guy fell off the fucking... He looked back to the cliff face, thinking exactly the same thing she was. We gotta tell somebody. We'll try to find someone on the way back to the car, she said, to appease him. He nodded. They didn't pass anyone. 
Even coming in, it had been pretty quiet on the trail, but now they might as well have been a hundred miles from the nearest road. The back of her neck felt nakedly vulnerable. She wanted to break and run, blind and full out, until she was back at the car. It took all of her will not to, heart pounding in her ears. All she could hear. She looked up at the trees. What was that word? Doldrums? Down dropped the breeze, the sails dropped down, sad as sad could be. She stopped. No birds, no wind, not even the buzz of an insect. She turned, gaze traveling away down the trail behind them. The end of it caught her eye, so she couldn't look away. Something was there, just around the corner, coming closer. Marianne, come on, what are you doing? Being hunted. The ranger station is this way. She followed Matt, searching the trees for some sign of their watcher. Watcher? No. Stalker. Hunter. The air grew close until her ears rang and popped. She saw Matt shaking his head, too. She heard him. Heard herself. Nothing else. We're almost there. Matt's voice made her jump. She nodded. A ranger station. Maybe it would have a radio. Or a gun? A door, anyway, to put between them and the lumpy tar creature. She whirled. A flicker of movement, like a branch bending under some weight, caught her eye. There's no wind. No sound of animals. She looked up. Something that might have been a crow's nest crowded into thickly knit branches, maybe forty feet up. In its depths, there was a flash of yellow light, like sunshine. Run. We are. Faster. They sprinted down the trail. Matt flinched again. Branches crackled. She put on a burst of speed, breaking over the last rise to see the station below. Matt slammed full into the door, pulling at the handle, then pounded at the wood. Come on, we need help. He hammered at it. Marianne looked around the yard, seeing the parking spot where a truck would normally be. Beyond it, a treetop dipped out of view. The hammering stopped when Matt covered his ears. She patted his shoulder, wishing she could help with whatever it was. Helplessness sucks. He finally straightened up, giving her a little nod. His face was pale. That was the only sign of being freaked out. Break a window, she said. What? No one is here. We have to break in. The fuck? We can get back to the car. It paced us. We aren't going to outrun it. He frowned. She pointed at where the treetop had vanished. It's there. Do you want to stay out here with it? She jumped off the steps. The building was small and had a grand total of one window about six feet off the ground. She stretched up, trying to see if it moved. Matt reached over her, thumping on the frame. She kicked at a rock being used to edge a flower bed. Matt took it, covered his eyes, and smashed the window in, knocking the glass out of the frame. Boost me in. I'll unlock the door. Glass crunched under her shoes. She fumbled with the lock and slammed the door behind him. Something heavy landed against the wood, bowing it in. They both took cover behind the desk. The wood creaked and snapped, but held. What's that? She looked at the floor in front of the door, where sparkling white was spreading. It looks like frost. The door thumped again. There was a long silence. We have to cover the window, she said. With what? This desk looks heavy enough? This one. This desk. Yes. The one we're hiding under. Yes. Son of a bitch. They heaved it onto its side and pushed it against the window. Matt flinched. Another scream? 
He nodded. The desk lurched forward. Marianne pressed her back against it, feeling it grow icy cold. Matt braced his shoulder beside her. It bucked once or twice more, and Matt swore, jaw clenched against sounds Marianne couldn't hear. They waited, not daring to relax. What do you think it's doing? Waiting for us. I don't know. Maybe it's leaving. Her breath frosted the air in front of her. Maybe. Maybe. 